WMEX Boston. After fighting and coaching his way through a storied 47-year professional hockey career, Mike Milbury's gloves are again off for his next chapter as a radio host. Talking about the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and the hockey world at large. Proudly being brought to you by Ketches Law Group, New England. For more information, go to KetchesLaw.com. You're listening to 1510 WMEX. Gloves off hockey with your host, Mike Milbury. Alrighty, Ben. Thank you. A little bit of a review here. Uh, we had uh, a hard conversation about the team last week. Uh, Ottawa was just such a tough night. It was really something that none of us expected to see from the Bruins. And, uh, you know, it was no doubt about their ability to come back. They were down by three twice. And came back to tie it up at 3-3 and then got to 6-5 and almost almost completed the comeback again. But and it was it was kind of fun for some people. For me as a coach, as a former player, I was screaming for responsible play. So what happens next? The Anaheim Ducks come into town. They must have sat down the Bruins and talked about what happened in Ottawa because this was not an entertaining game. It was ugly and boring. But a win. I was screaming for uh, responsible play, but when I got it, I didn't like it as much as I did when it was just crazy up and down the ice and trade scoring chances. But there's got to be some way to have a middle ground. Um, and it came closer on Saturday, I think. That, you know, you got you got to buckle up a bit, but you can still run and gun a little bit as well. Saturday's game was Minnesota. And the Wilds, the Wild has started the season unpredictably poorly they had a great run in the playoffs last year and they come to Boston and more often than not opposing teams come into the Boston Garden ready to play they know the consequences of not putting their best foot forward generally it's a hard place historically it's a hard team to play against so it it was no surprise to me that Minnesota was ready to go and they took advantage of a David Krejci turnover, trying to enter the wild zone on the power play, and they went the other way. Brandon Newhame picked up the loose puck and just scooted un- untouched and, and beat Allmark. But not long after, Taylor Hall made an appearance, and this is important to me because in the Ducks game, it was Taylor Hall who scored um, on the shootout goal, and it was a beautiful goal, a much-needed goal, and he's been kind of quiet. He picked up a puck on the left-wing wall, and spotted Nick Felino in the slot. It was it was a terrific pass by Taylor Hall, I thought. And Felino snapped it into the top corner. And I let that just talk for a minute about what's happened with Nick Felino. Um, he starts his career in Ottawa, moves on to Columbus. He's named the captain there. Got a great reputation. Had a cup of coffee in Toronto before he came to Boston. Signed a three million dollar contract. Not his fault that he was overpaid, and he was overpaid for the role that he was going to play. Maybe they expected him to be able to play in a number three on the number three line or maybe even up on two, but I don't think that should have been the projection for this guy. Last year, first season here, he's got a miserable season, but kind of tolerated because he's, he's a stand-up guy. He's a guy that you can count on when things go get tough. He's going to check hard. He's going to give you everything he got. 
but the ex- expectations were for something better than his performance. And this year, I don't think anybody knew what to expect from him. Uh, decent camp, and then all of a sudden, he gets placed on waivers. Uh, the psychological effect of being put on waivers, and unfortunately I never was, but it, I've seen it, it can be really damaging. And kudos to this guy. Respected as he is, he goes on waivers and he mans up after he clears waivers. Tells you all you need to know about Felino. By the goal, his thing, you know, his goal was a thing of beauty. And underneath the crossbar, after putting himself in a position, he really showed good hands and showed good timing. And you know, I just felt I needed to give the guy a pat on the back because it hasn't been an easy go of it here in Boston for him. So a few observations from me during this this game. Kretschy skating kind of never been great for me, but it's scared me a little bit. Not any, certainly not any faster, but his hands and vision are still intact. And Boston's next goal, he got a cross-ice pass from Grizzlick on the breakout and zipped it wide to Taylor Hall, who, who drove the net and uh, Pasta put in the goal. He was just Johnny on the spot to score it. But you can see what kind of, uh, you can see what kind of hands and vision and what he brings to that second line. I just hope somehow he can ratchet up his skating just a little bit as the season goes on, as he gets used to the pace of play in the NHL as opposed to in Czechia. Uh, Second observation, can't Taylor Hall play like this more often? I mean, his skating was penetrating, drove the net on the goal, as I just mentioned. Great hands in the Foligno pass. Good finish on the the game winner in OT. I mean, this is a guy that needs to, you know, show that every game. I mean, if he can get into his MVP mode, this is a team that you know has to be reckoned with. And he's already starting to come together. He's already shown flashes of it that we've seen, Mike, and I'm sure you've seen it too. I mean, a couple of those no look passes to whether it be Zaka or Pasternak or anybody. Quite frankly, they've looked pretty good so far. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean. And they and if they get these guys back healthy, Martian and McAvoy, and and Hall can play to his potential, you know, you got to start believing in their chances to to win more than one round. Next observation: Connor Clifton was the most physical player on the ice for Boston. He's he's had a really good start, I think. He did take a cross-checking penalty, but by and large, um, big hits. And Boston doesn't have a lot of guys that are doing a lot of banging. By the way, that brings me to Brandon Carlo, who will be back tonight, it looks like. We'll talk about him more later on in the show. Yeah, we got a lot to go on that one. Yeah. Um, Hapis Lindo. You know, they're up 3-1, to one and, and uh, it, they make mistakes, and they give up another lead. This, is, this has been going around the league for a, a, in a lot of games. 19 multiple comebacks from more than two, goal, more than two goals down. Um Anyway, uh, Minnesota came back. Nifty play by Matt Boldy. Tipped a perfect pass from Zuccarella. And then with less than five minutes to go, Elmar kicked out a big rebound and was really unlucky. Went right past Charlie Coyle, and all of a sudden, bang, it's back in the net. And it's, that's not like that mis- not a mistake like in Ottawa. This was just a bad break. And, you know, they find themselves in overtime. Not only before they get to overtime – Minnesota had a ton of chances. There were two five-on-threes for, well, at least one for an extended period of time. And I thought Bergeron was tremendous during that time frame. 
I thought he was just, you know, he could show his, his ability to get in lanes, knocked a loose puck down out of midair. Um, and then finally Boston gets a break. They get a four on three in overtime. Uh, and it was Pasta, who usually is the guy you're counting on to score, with a really nifty dish to Taylor Hall, who jammed it home. You saw that, I assume, Ben? I did. That was quite a play, too. And, you know, you, you almost saw it coming a mile away when it finally clicked in. And that was a really pretty play to watch, for sure. Um, uh, I, I thought uh, next on my checklist here was Olmark. Um, clearly trying to get a stranglehold on the number one spot. He was really good yet again. He's kind of in the zone right now. Jeremy Swayman is going to have to be very good when he gets the opportunity again to play in goal to steal this back from him. I mean, I'm, I, I, I like Dallamark. I've always liked Dallamark, but we've never seen what he can do for long stretches of time. And, and, and now it looks like he could be a, a number one goaltender. And if Swayman could turn it on, Boy, they turned that position from a question mark into a plus in no time flat. (laughs) No time flat, to say the least. Um, Definitely, I mean, we were talking about it earlier in episodes uh, about the two-goalie rotation. Do you still think that you prefer the one as of what you've seen right now just with this rotation? Swayman was supposed to be the guy, and now it looks like Allmark is definitely that guy. So how does that theory factor in? I, I... Always think you should want you want to be able to define your number one goaltender, but hey, if you can't do it because both guys are playing great, then I'll step back from my my theory. And the last thing I wanted to say is Thomas Nosek. You, you, you got to love this guy's effort. Blocks shots, kills penalties, drives to the net, but his mother gave him a hands of stone. I don't know if he'll ever score another goal. He's gone like 60 games without scoring one. But he does everything else well, so I got to give him a tip of the cap because, you know, in Boston, when you give effort, it can overlook a lot of uh, physical limitations, and Nosek gives tremendous effort night after night. He really does. He's been a good uh, pickup. We'll just call him that. Mike, we're going to step aside and take our first break here on Gloves Off Hockey, being proudly brought to you by Catches Law Group, New England. Check them out online at catcheslaw.com. Phone number here if you have questions for Mike, 781-834-9639. That's 781-834-9639. 39. Back in a flash after word from our sponsors here on Gloves Off Hockey on WMEX. We're back on Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury here on 1510 WMEX and taking your calls at 781-834-9639. Back to it with Mike Milbury. All right. A few odds and ends I want to clean up here, Ben. Uh... Tonight, it looks like our old winger, Phil Kessel, will establish a new record for consecutive games played. Uh, It's been a remarkable run, up to 990 games, tied now with Keith Yandel for the longest streak in NHL history. He last missed a game in 2009 on Halloween night of all nights. Go figure, right? Um, Had a shoulder problem. He's about to score his 400th goal, and he'll get to 1,000 points. He leaves Boston, demands a trade. He, I thought he was 
How did you view him, Ben? Wasn't he just a complete pain in the butt? I definitely got to look at him in his younger days. You know, we're, we're talking when Blake Wheeler was still hanging around in a black and gold jersey. And, uh, I mean, he had that fill the thrill seed to him, but he was definitely a very demanding player on and off the ice. And, uh, well, let's just say the North End is known more for its pizzas than it is its hot dogs, Mike. But I thought he was a great player while he was here. I wish he had a better attitude when he was here. Uh, honestly, I'd take him back today, but that's just me. Well, I don't. It's a little late to take him back, but it's um, he, he went to Toronto. Um, same sort of kind of surly attitude, I guess. He still has that with the media. Um, you know, I, I, not everybody likes to get in front of a microphone or can do it appropriately. But when you're a professional player, that's part of the job, isn't it? But uh, he didn't have anything to do with anybody, and it just seemed like he was angry all the time around here. And then and in Toronto, a little bit of that too. But you got to give him credit. There must have been some nights when he played and some serious discomfort. Oh, absolutely. He almost missed the game because there was the imminent birth of his first child, and the Arizona management kept a private plane on on the go, and he played a shift and uh, – and rushed to the airplane to get back for the birth of his child. But I remember that. That was a wild story that night, too. They literally had it just, Phil, get out there, skate around, and off you go. Get out of here. Yeah. Um, is, he, is he able to do this because he's really smart or fast, or is he a fraidy cat? He doesn't seem to go in the corners very often. When he's there, you know, he's got to be there sooner or later. It's got to be around the net sooner or later. We can leave himself somewhat vulnerable. But um, when you score 400 goals, you know, you don't have to be a behemoth. You don't have to be looking to check everybody. I mean, the first time I actually saw him back check was when he was in Pittsburgh in the Stanley Cup Finals. And he played, he had a terrific series. And he played at both ends of the ice. But that took him, what, six years, seven years to figure that out? And a few and teams was, later. Yeah, and he was um, he went to the right spot. Now, when he came to Boston, he was such a high draft pick. Everybody f- said, this is the guy. This is the guy that's, you know, he's going to lead us to the promised land. He's going to be a great goal scorer. And, you know, he just goes to Pittsburgh, and they've got Malkin, they've got Crosby, so he can just wait in the weeds and not have to be the center of attention. And in that, he's... Uh, He's pretty successful. He wins a couple of cups. They move him out after a while. I don't know if it was salary cap issues or what, but um, it was Toronto. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was it was a it was a nine hundred ninety games. The guy have you have to tip your cap. And what I'm hear, hearing recently is that he's become a good teammate. The guys really like playing with him. And now I know that wasn't the case here. I mean, he was a little bit of an odd duck. Um, but anyway. Somebody mentioned today to me about him going to the Hall of Fame. Please, not so fast, Kowalski. Um, I don't think there's any – I mean, Rick Middleton, if Rick Middleton's not in the Hall of Fame, there's no way Phil Kessel can get there. That's my take on that. Okay, I can't, uh, can't disagree with you on that one, Mike. Uh, I'm going to try and turn your mic up for you, by the way. Um, along that same path, you know, uh, Phil the Thrill is obviously a two-time cup winner. Two-time? I think that's all it was. Two-time. That's two-time. right. Not going to give more enough. credit than the guy earned, but, hey, you know, you got to tip your cap to that. He's got a very unorthodox way of doing things, and so far, so good. 
I don't know if you had this marked on your uh, your docket here as well, Mike, but have we talked about the Vancouver Canucks on this program yet? Uh, we haven't. Next segment, Brendan. Very good. <laughs> We're going to do that next segment then, no doubt about it. Okay, there's no question. Zdeno Charo is the guy I wanted to mention, you know, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum of Phil Kessel. I mean, Phil Kessel wouldn't drink water. He had to have Coke. Zdeno Charo is a guy that just took every bit of care of his body as he could. Um, we drafted him on Long Island, uh, six foot nine. Nobody had seen a guy this big. Drafted him after watching a VHS tape of him working out in a practice session. Wow. His training regimen was just, I mean, he, we had to slow him down on certain days. It was a, it was a marvel to watch him work out, whether it was at the gym, at the track, at practice. Um, never, never missed a beat. Uh, his father was an Olympic wrestler. He uh, wrestled at home when he went home in the summers. And somebody called me today about Chara and wanted to know some information about him. And they're doing the 100 top players of the modern era. And that got me to thinking, what, where would he fit in the pantheon of great defensemen? And boy, there are some good ones. I mean, you talk about presently Victor Hedman. You talk about Scott Stevens, Brad Park, Dennis Potvin, Nick Lidstrom. Larry Robinson, Chelios Bork, Chris Pronger, Scott Niedermeyer, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, Boyer Salming, Rod Langway. I don't know where he fits. Do you have any idea, Ben? L- Going to make a guess? I mean, I, like you just said, how do, how do you even place that one? That That's not an easy fit, but there's a lot of legends on that list, Mike, and there's no room for mistakes. That's for certain. So hopefully somebody gets that one right. It won't be me. Yeah. I, I just think that uh, he handled his retirement like he did everything else with class, thanking everybody who came in his path along the way, uh, dropped the puck the other night. And I'm wondering where this goes. I think he could be a terrific coach. And he told me in conversation not long ago that he's, not ready for that. He wants to spend some time, more time with his kids. But I wouldn't be surprised if one day you see him behind a bench. That's a towering bench boss right there. <laughs> You're not, not going to get people crossing his path too often. A no. uh, couple other little things. Montreal surprised me. Carey Price said he's got no plans to retire. I mean, he's nice. been gone through all sorts of things from injuries to rehabilitation for other stuff. And uh, I was surprised to hear that, that he's going to try to come back. Staying in the Montreal thing, they have a player there. His name is Arbor. I can't even pronounce his last name. X-E-H-E. I've been calling him Arbor Jakai. Jakai? That's what I'm going with. The players call him Wi-Fi because his last name sounds like a password to a (laughs) Wi-Fi. That's great. So anyway... um, couple things I saw, too, along the way in the last couple of games. Two rules I hate. Slashing a guy's stick and the, the stick breaks, and all of a sudden you're in the penalty box for slashing. I can understand if you get a slashing penalty across a guy's hands. That prevents him from doing stuff with a stick. But if you hit him at the base of his the shaft just before the blade, just because it breaks shouldn't be a penalty. That, that to me is a that that's a, a fault of the stick makers. Remember when we had wood sticks and we went to these composites 
and and they were three times more expensive, but the manufacturers told us they were going to last all season long. One stick. <laughs> ten minutes later. Ten minutes later, they just snapped like twigs. It was, it was uh, the stick budgets went up by four or five times, and I kid you not, I was I was shocked and disappointed at that. But once the players got their hands on these composites, they're so light, so easy to manipulate. Uh, there was no turning back. So the budgets went up and the slashing penalties did too. The other thing I was looking at as I watched the Minnesota game is that Matt Boldy, the kid from BC that did score the nice goal we talked about. Oh, yeah. uh, He had scored previous to that, and they ruled it no goal by virtue of a distinct kicking motion. Now, I don't know where prejudice against goals off your foot. I mean, I, I don't want to see anybody kicking wildly but if your skate blade doesn't leave the ice surface and there's no safety issues, I would think that we would allow that. The more goals, the merrier, in my opinion. Do oh, yeah. you have an opinion? I mean, honestly, I think it's been kind of a goose chase since the get-go of uh, really buckling down on it. I've seen goals called that definitely were manipulated in, uh, like you said, with the skate blade off the ice surface. And we've seen goals called off simply because the guy was shifting his weight from one edge to another, and they called that directing. So I think if they're going to go with something like that, the, the league has got to get the officials on the same page with it. But I think it's silly. If there's no immediate safety issue and it wasn't an illegal play, I think it's good. By the way, Boldy looks like he's going to be a, a real fine for them. I thought he uh, he was heady and sharp, and we just talked about his goal and the one that got uh, called back, but... Minnesota's got their work cut out for them. They just somehow have found themselves in this rut. And uh, a team that was looked like it was ready to make good strides last after last year now finds itself mired in the muck. Very true. Mike, uh, we got a caller on the line. We're going to take that on the other side of this break. So when we come back here on WMEX, folks, we will have more uh, Gloves Off Hockey right here on 1510 WMEX, being brought to you by Ketchis Law Group. Call in with your questions at 781-834-9639. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Gloves off hockey with your host, Mike Milbury, here on 1510 WMEX. And we do have a call on the air. So here's Mike. Who we got, Ben? We got Jack on the line. Jack, can you hear us? I can hear you. How are you? Doing very good. You're live on air, uh, Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Doing very well. I'm excited and an honor to uh, talk to Mike Milbury. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you. What you got? Jack? You You got a question about the bees going into tonight, right, Jack? Yeah, I do. So, Mike, I want to know a little bit about what you think about this defense, uh, just the start of this season, and how do you think they're going to do against Dallas Stars tonight? Well, I have seen some mixed bag of work. Uh, I'm not not a fan of Jacobs Borrell. Really haven't been seeing enough from him to say he should be in the lineup, and I think he's going to be out of the lineup. Uh, looks like Brandon Carlos coming back. That's a huge plus, and uh, Zaboral going out for me is also a plus. It's a win-win situation, and 
you know, they're going to miss McAvoy in a big way until he gets back in November. But uh, And we'll be curious to see if they can continue this pretty good streak of good play. Excellent. Excellent. Jack, thank you very much for the call tonight, buddy. We appreciate you very much. No problem. Go Bruins. Excellent. Go Bees. That's it. All right, so, Jack, that was the uh, the call line. Thank you very much for that. And, Mike, uh, to, to that extent, you know, the defense has been on our radar here uh, the early part of the season. Uh, do you want to jump into the Carlo talk? Or you want to hold that up a little bit? Pittsburgh Edmonton was tremendous. Uh, you know when you get Crosby, Malkin, McDavid, and Dreisaitl, you're going to get yourself an entertaining hockey game. And, you know, last night, by the way, Connor McDavid would full steam into the the goalpost. Uh, there was a lot of worried Edmonton fans, but fortunately got back up and continued to play on. Leon Dreisaitl stole the show with a goal and two assists. He was, uh, it's incredible that those guys are both on the same squad. Uh, and one guy's having an off night, you got another superstar to pick it up. And the same goes with Crosby, who, who also scored last night. Um, and they're having no trouble scoring, but the, Going to have to batten down some doors to make sure they play a little bit better defense. But I thought that was a, a really entertaining game. Winnipeg uh, shut out St. Louis. Connor Hellebuck uh, got the win. And Jordan Bennington, you know, he's playing for St. Louis. If you look at the game last night, it was uh, Thomas Grice that plays for St. Louis, given, given a break to Bennington. But Bennington needs to regain the form that he had prior to last year, and they got him a Stanley Cup against Boston. Vegas beat Toronto. Austin Matthews has one goal in seven games. Not a good that, look. No, not not for a 60-goal scorer. And um, somebody was talking about it. You know, if you, in the salary cap area, you pay that much money to a top-end player, you can't af- he, he can't afford to put his foot off the gas pedal. He's got to be there every night. Because the more money he makes is the less opportunities for other players to come to the franchise. And the expectations are that you're going to get the job done so far. Looks like he's getting his chances, but he's having trouble finding the back of the net. Carolina wins again. Beats a banged-up Vancouver Canucks team. By the way, they're just getting killed in Vancouver. Uh, Blowing leads left and right. But they have a couple of key players out. Brock Bossa. Besser, rather, and uh, now Quinn Hughes is on IRR, so that looks like that's not going to get much better before uh, before too long. And Ovechkin inches a closer, a bit closer to Gretzky's record. Uh, they roughed up New Jersey and Newark, and we'll see if the Caps can get it rolling right now. Um, games tonight to look at. Well, certainly one of them is not the Wild at Canadians, <laughs> not for me anyway, but. I think the uh, Avalanche come to the Rangers, and Alexander Georgiev is playing in his first game for Avalanche after he's traded by the Rangers. Um, I think they'll be re- I think they'll be revved up to play for him. Rangers have stumbled a little bit, but uh, Shosturkin will be in goal, and it's the the battle of the Russian former teammates, and should be a good one. Buffalo four and one now. Rasmus Dahlin has scored in five straight games. I, I mean it's. Eric Comrie looks like it could be a goaltender for them. It's a it's a great team. Not a great team. It's a great watch for me because Buffalo has been so bad for so longer. Um, 
Penguins are also back in action tonight against Calgary. Calgary's got a good squad, and Penguins will be vulnerable after back-to-back. So that's what we're looking at for, to, for tonight's games. And, you know, I, I think uh, around the league, the biggest surprises for me are Buffalo playing as well as they have and Chicago. And, and the last one is the Detroit Red Wings. Derek Lalonde, who was assistant coach for Steve Eisenman, the GM in Detroit, got hired to coach uh, his Red Wings. Eisenman went out and got a couple of veteran players, guys like Perone and Kopp, and found himself all of a sudden with a much different squad. And Lalonde comes in, and right now they're 3-0-2, the only team in the National Hockey League that hasn't lost a hockey game. So we'll see how that works out for him in the long run. I think I don't think anybody expected them to make as much of a leap as they have already. But uh, so far, they're perfect. Which is wild to say. It's not something we would have thought of this last season. I'm sure you saw the, uh, the conspiracy theorists. You know, once the Avalanche won that cup last year, they said, well, legend has it, the Red Wings always win after an Avalanche Stanley Cup. You think there's any credit to that, Mike? I don't think so. But uh, I, right now, I, I think the, the Avalanche have to be considered favorites to get back. I mean, you know, they're going to miss Landeskog for, you know, three months, so it is. But he's such a good player and such a good guy and a hard worker. I think when he comes back, he'll come back 100%. And, uh, again, I'm looking at those guys to be – to be really prominent in the postseason. Uh, another thing to watch for before I forget, uh, the Blue Jackets, they get back Patrick Laine, his return tonight from, from injury. Uh, that'll put him on a line with Johnny Hockey, Goudreau, who's had a okay start, a couple of goals, nothing special, but Boone Jenner in the middle gives them a legit number one line and a whole new look. So we'll see if that gets them jump-started and uh, – Line A is a guy with a great release, uh, sort of stumbled through his years in Winnipeg, but now gets a start with a, another superstar to help burden the load of scoring goals. Well, I thought that was the theory, too, when he left Winnipeg, was let this kid have some room to stretch out a little bit here. He's on a relatively talented team at the time when they traded him. And, uh, well, it didn't quite work out that way initially, but I'd be curious to see as well, Mike. I think the addition of Line A and Johnny Hockey playing together, that could be a spark that we have not seen before. That's what you call those uh, X-Factor players right there. If they're on, watch out, because that game is going to be a tight one. And uh, lots around the league still for the remainder of this one. I I don't know. We expected the Kraken to not do well as a franchise, a new franchise team, but... I don't know. Mike, do you think they're on pace right now, or are they looking at a long 20-plus-year game like the Blue Jackets have elected to do? Well, I, I don't know. They, Las Vegas was such a, an aberration as an expansion franchise. Nobody saw them going to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year, even though everybody realized the, the rules had changed for protecting players, and it became much more advantageous for an expansion team. But to see them going to the Stanley Cup Finals was, you know, I don't think anybody saw it coming. Uh, they've been they've been very competitive since then. Didn't make the playoffs last year. That was the first time in their history that they they didn't make it. And uh, I think the Kraken have taken a different approach. They're going to be slower and steadier. Use the draft. Probably spend a little less money. 
and we'll see how long it takes him to get there. But, you know, I'm a Ron Francis fan as a general manager. He's great as a player, but I think he'll, he'll do well as a general manager. And I think he's the kind of guy that will exercise the kind of pa- patience that's necessary to get the job done. Staying on the look around the league tonight, a couple of other games that uh, I know I'll be keeping an eye on. The Tampa Bay Lightning will be visiting the L.A. Kings later tonight at 10.30 on that lovely West Coast time. I know it's your favorite, Mike. That's a game that I'm going to be keeping an eye on tonight. How about you? Yeah. Um, I just You just broke up on me for a minute. Which game were you talking about, Ben? Talking Lightning Kings. Yeah, Lightning Kings. Lightning is, clearly have come back to the pack. Um, and Los Angeles has turned into a bit of a speedster, a roadster team. So as the Lightning head out west and looking like, what are they, 500 team right now? And that's not what they're used to. Uh, And they're going to be faced with an opponent that's trying to find ways to build confidence. And when a Stanley Cup finalist or Stanley Cup winner, both of which the Lightning are, come into town, just like teams get ready to come into Boston and play hard, uh, I think the Kings will be ready to rock and roll. And I think the Lightning will be in for a tough matchup. And right now, it's starting to look like they need points. They can't take it lightly. So you're right. It is a good game to watch, Ben. No doubt. And we all know you can lose a season in the first 10, but you sure can't win one. So on that happy note, 6.43 now. We'll take that last break a moment or so early. And when we come back, folks, we'll have... The finale, the conclusion. Oh, are you kidding? You still got two more days a week of us here on 1510 WMEX. This is Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury being brought to you by Ketchis Law Group. Find them online, catcheslaw.com. Right back at it, not missing a beat. Gloves Off Hockey on WMEX with Mike Milbury. All right, Ben. We got a, another hockey game to discuss tonight. The Dallas Stars roll into Boston. Shut out last night. And before I leave that topic, um, first loss of the season. Uh, and this makes it a back-to-back situation, obviously making them vulnerable. But it's going to need some work at the other end of the ice. But right now, um, a fun watch. Anyway, back to Dallas, which came out pretty strong. Uh, and rolls in here, probably have a different goaltender to look at. I think you'll probably find a change in that position. But the top line is Jason Robinson, who's a big kid, 6'3", called our finalist last year. Really good future. They're expecting big things from this kid. I'm going to – you mentioned a lot of guys with height because uh, Rupe Hints is 6'3". He's the centerman on that line. Big rangy center iceman. Uh, a legitimate first-line player, and uh, he, he rides in the middle between two pretty good guys, Robertson on the left and old veteran Joe Pavelski on the right side. This guy has a sparkling reputation throughout the league. He's been um, a tremendously consistent goal scorer. He's been on tremendous teams in San Jose, can never quite get to the promised land, but Hat trick a couple games ago against Montreal, 425 career goals, 930 points. I mean, nearly 1,200 games. I mean, that's a lot of hockey games in the National Hockey League. 
and for him to be playing at this high a level is, is a tribute to him. Uh, second line, remember Tyler Sagan. You know, we know him, right? This was a good old friend. about Fis, Phil Kessel having a tough time in his first couple years in Boston. Uh, well, he got ridden out of town because who knows why. I, I, I really would like to know the story of why exactly Phil Kessel was shipped out of town as early in his career as he was. Everybody felt he had maturity issues, um, and yet you could see the skill level, and something went amiss. I don't know that we'll ever know, but... Um, We're talking the, Kessel or Sagan? Or Sagan, sorry. Which okay. Sounds like the same thing. Right. Yeah, and so remember the t- Taylor versus Tyler, one and two? Man, if somebody in 2011 or 2010 would come back and tell us that we'd have the opposite, that would have been a wild thing to hear. It sure would, and and Sagan almost was bowling retirement uh, because he had nip, hip and knee injuries and took him quite a while to get back to where he was, but apparently he's he too, like Kessel, has matured and has become... You know, a guy that's admired in the locker room for his work ethic. Who saw that coming, right? Uh, Not I, I'll tell no, you that. No, he's in the middle of Mason Marshman, 6'4". Another big kid, already on his third team, but they've seen some good things in him and Marchman. And another youngster, 23-year-old Jacob Peterson on the right side. Two pretty good first, two pretty good lines. Top six is not bad at all. And when they start out in the third line with Jamie Benn, as a third liner, this guy is uh, can be a beast, but he's getting up there. O for two, uh, O and two rather, assists for the season. No goals to date, but he can be a real force against. Uh, watch the game against Montreal, and he still has that ability to be disruptive. And you know, if you can have that kind of talent on your third line, um, I think you're doing something right. Sentiment is Wyatt. He's only 19 years old. First-round pick. So you can see already the blend of Pavulski and Ben with some of the other guys like uh, that we mentioned, like Robertson, Robertson and Wyatt. So they're building sort of a blend here, buying some time to fill in the holes that will be created by, by Ben and Pavulski retiring and giving themselves a chance at a pretty solid transition. So I like what Jim Nill uh, is doing as a general manager in Dallas. Jim Neal, by the way, I don't know if you remember, he played in Boston for a while. He was a hard-nosed third-slash-forward-line player. Likes his players just like he played. And you can expect that from Dallas. Uh, defense is a new look, and I'm going through these guys because, I mean, listen, i got to remind myself who's on some of these Western Conference teams because we don't, you just don't see them that often. Right. Uh, Miro Heiskanen, he's a third overall pick. He's got some skill. They love him in Dallas. Uh, keep your eye on him for tonight. Plays with, remember this guy, Colin Miller, former Bruin. He's just an okay player. He's okay. Not, I mean, he can play in the league, but uh, it's not something you're going to be putting up on the blackboard like, hey, watch out for Colin Miller. That's not going to be the case in this instance. And Ryan Suter is on the second unit, 37 now. Remember when he and Zach Parisi signed multiple 13-year mega contracts with Minnesota. Yeah, that worked out, huh? <laughs> it did not. They had, some, they had some competitive years, but it didn't come close to doing what the Wild thought it would do. They just they couldn't, they couldn't find a way to win it when it counted. But he's still 
a solid player. He's winding it down. Another guy with over 1,200 games in his career. And the rest of the, the defense is Yanni Hakapana, whatever his name is, six foot six, big stay-at-home guy. He's also working on his third team. And Essa Lindell, 6'3". You can get the feeling that it's not going to be easy for the Bruins forwards to move around tonight. I mean, they're going to have to uh, work their way through the minefield of big bodies that Dallas has. And so we'll see if they can get that done. Jake Ottinger is a high first-round pick as a goaltender. They think they, he can be a, a stud in this league. Um, really good numbers early on. He's 4-0. You expect him in goal tonight. I probably thought they could get away with their backup in Ottawa, but Ottawa is now a different kind of animal. So that's a peak at Dallas, and I don't think the Bruins can take them take them lightly at all. It's a it's a team that that has a little confidence, maybe a little bit more spunk than we thought we we'd give them credit for. Uh, but Brandon Carl comes back tonight. This is a talk about big guys. This is a big guy. I don't know how the concussion will impact him, but it's uh, it's got to be nerve-wracking. This is, I think, his fifth concussion. I counted five. Yep, yeah, but the uh, the boys in the circle, we got it, and he's up to five. So like you were talking about, you got to start thinking about quality of life. You do, but right now we're, we're thinking about quality of defense, and Carlo's got to bring some. Uh, they, they seem to think that he's ready to go. Um, you know, players coming off a concussion sometimes can be – a little more vulnerable if they get whacked again, but I, I, I'm happy to see him back in the lineup. We talked about it when Jack called earlier that that Sporl just seemed to be lost out there. I mean, I don't know where Strawman is in the the big picture here. Uh, if he can, he's got through his visa issues and whether he can find his game again. But I feel a lot more comfortable when the time is right for Strawman getting into the lineup than I. Then I would borrow. It'll, I'll be I'll be curious to see how they handle his situation. He's he's not a young he's a young enough guy, so they can't afford to really just sit around and be a practice player. But you know, for right now, depth of of defense is important to every team in this league. And right now, Zborrell is a depth defenseman. Um, looks like Ulmark again, and the the trend begins. And I can't blame Jim Montgomery for for going back to Ulmark. Uh, he's been so spot on in his goaltending that uh, it's, it's hard to say no. And we talked about this earlier uh, in a couple of shows ago that the Bruins need to put points in the bank until their big guys get back. If they can be riding in this position in the standings, when they get them back, they're in a, in a great spot to get home ice advantage in the playoffs. And I think that's important to them. So, Omark it is, and Swayman will have to sit and wait for another opportunity. A little concerned about the Bruins' power play. Hasn't been particularly good. Uh, like, ranks about 20th, I think. You can double-check that for me, Ben, if you got your computer open. But, um, to the internet. The, the PK's a, PK is okay, number five overall. Their face-off percentage, Bergie's always good. Going to have to stay on top of that. Uh, I think that Dallas is going to present plenty, plenty of challenges to Boston tonight, uh, but they do come in tired and traveling in from Ottawa. You know, those, those factors, you can't use them in ex as an excuse if you're Dallas. The fact of the matter is 
traveling on the road playing back-to-back -back games is the worst case scenario on the schedule for a road team. It just, you know, you're not, you don't get in until two o'clock in the morning. You know, you don't get the same kind of sleep and uh, you probably don't get a, get a morning skate in. It's just a whole different ball of wax when you're, you played in one city, travel to the next city and you're, seem like you're, uh, no matter how, how much you try to be mentally ready for the game, it's tough to some nights especially later on in the season, to feel <clears throat> real good about it. So we'll see what Dallas presents, but I think Boston needs to know that two points are available against a somewhat vulnerable team, and they need to be ready. Absolutely. Well said, Mike. Well said. Can't find the exact stats here right off the, uh, the top of the line, but it does look like the uh, power play unit tonight is going to be DeBrusque, Berge, and Pasta, and the second unit's going to be Felino. Coyle and Hall with Zaka and Grizzlick on defense. That first line is going to have uh, Krejci and Lindholm uh, on that back end. So be an interesting well, sure, combination. Sure, it would be nice to have McAvoy in that lineup, wouldn't it? Oh, man. I mean, it makes difference. such a difference. It's been interesting to see Montgomery use multiple, more than three forwards on the power play units. I mean, it's not like it's original or anything, but when you put Zaka back there on the point, it's a uh, – it's risky business, at least as far as I can see, because forwards playing defense are somewhat fish out of water when they have to play defense. Makes it a, a challenge for them. So puck possession and good decisions with a puck when you get a forward on the point in the power play of paramount importance in my mind. Absolutely. Could not agree with you more. Um, going into this one, it's going to be an interesting fight. We'll see what the boys in black and gold can come up with. But the homestand continues, and then we'll be looking ahead down the road Thursday as Detroit makes its way to TD Garden for the first time. And uh, Mike, what are your thoughts looking ahead to that one? Well, we talked a little bit about Detroit. You know, the new coaches come in and, and uh, apparently has adopted a lot of the strategies that were employed by Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm not sure I can tell you exactly what that is. They don't have the personnel that Tampa Bay has, but they have some good young talent. Uh, they have a Moritz Sider, who's a terrific player on the, uh, on the blue line. He's a Swiss player who was all rookie team last year and you know, you have to have players like that around the come. But I think the biggest thing was, and we mentioned this, is Eisman felt that he needed to mix in with some of his younger players with some veterans. So he picks up David Perron from, from St. Louis. He picks up Andrew Kopp from, from the New York Rangers. And he picks up Husso and Goal, who's a fairly capable kind of guy. And all of a sudden, the veteran leadership becomes a very important part of the whole process. And I think that Eisenman deserves a lot of credit for pushing them. Did they, they push some chips into the pile to make the, the jump ahead and give their fan base something to, uh, to cheer about? Because uh, it's been bleak in Detroit, a town that's had some serious Stanley Cup wins in the past. But I, I have to tell you that that's been a long time since they've been a team that you'd want to watch any time of the year if you're a Detroit fan. So the worm has turned a little bit. Uh, has it turned enough for them to get to the playoffs? Well, at this point, at 3-0-2, you got to tip your cap to them and say, all right, 
it's we're we're only five games in, but you got to think that they can they can maintain some semblance of competitiveness as they go along, and perhaps a playoff spot is a possibility. Well, only time will tell. Only time will tell. Yeah, they're missing one guy. You know, Dylan Larkin's the captain. He's got he can fly. Uh, they're missing Tyler Bertuzzi, who's uh, he's the guy that won't get vaccinated, but he's got an injury right now. Uh, had a little trouble crossing the border to Canada in the last couple of years. Uh, there's another guy, Dominic Kubalik, that he picked up. And I was trying to think of the one young uh, player from Sweden. It's Lucas Raymond, who was also an all-rookie player for the Red Wings last year. And, and uh, between he and Sider, those guys are locking down two positions and are, are heading towards stardom. And when they get people like the veterans that uh, Iserman has surrounded them with, it's a, it's a big boost. You know, the culture changes. You get over wins, not easily, but you get past them. You fo- refocus more on the next game. So <clears throat> I think that's a, important for these two young guys not to wallow. You know, some teams wallow for a long time trying to get the top draft picks. And young players sometimes don't learn to win. And I think Eisenman will prove that he's a guy that knows how to win. Well said. Mike, we are out of time, but tonight the Bruins will make it happen against the Dallas Stars, and we will be here tomorrow night at 6 o'clock to break it all down for you. Mike, have a wonderful night, and uh, as always, let's go black and gold, huh? You got it. Right here on Gloves Off Hockey on 1510 WMEX, Quincy, Boston, and Translator W2, 66DQ 101.1 FM, in Weymouth, thank you so much for listening. Gloves Off Hockey has been proudly brought to you by Ketchis Law Group and AMS Practice Management.